Coming up, we're going to be reviewing the 2016 Ghostbusters and letting you know whether we liked it, loved it, hated it, all that in between in this episode of Diz Pop. Diz Pop is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everybody. I am your host, Rhino Clavin, and I am joined by the Peter Vankman to my... Gosh, who would I be? Ray Stans. You're just not really coming up with any good lines this episode. Are you, I thought you were going to say thank you mm. for introducing me as the Peter Venkman of the group. Maybe if you would have been quicker about it, but <laughs> considering you had to think for so long, I'm well, just... Well, I thought, am I, am I Ray or am I, am I Winston? I'm definitely not Winston. Uh, but anyway, that's Craig Williams over there. Oh, hell yo. Anyway, now I'm going to be thinking this whole episode of what Ghostbusters would I be? Janine. I would be yeah. the Janine of the group. But uh, Craig and I have um, gone to see Ghostbusters now. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. So should we just dive in here? You know, this movie's the big movie of controversy. It, it, the trailer came out, and or, I mean, news broke of them doing the remake. And, of course, it's the sacred movie of the 80s that nobody can touch any 80s movie. You know, which I don't necessarily know that I agree. Like, I know there are some movies in the world that you just kind of like, they're too perfect to be remade. This movie's just been swimming upstream the entire time, unfortunately, Um, for reasons that I don't necessarily think it should have had to. You know, it's it's directed by Paul. Paul, Now, am I going to say this correct? Feig. Feig. Yes. Feig. Um, Like 20,000 leagues under the sea. I did see a funny internet meme done by somebody we all know. Sean. Yes. And uh, it did make me giggle. And I know that Paul... Feig saw it as well, and I thought that was really cool. It was. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Paul Feig directed it, who's done Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy. Um, you know, he's got a, I mean, he was Sabrina's science teacher and Sabrina, the teenage witch, if we all remember that. And we all know what I point him out as, but he was In one that of the counselors. episode of Roseanne where he, was, he worked with Jan at the quarry. No, he was oh. one of the counselors, Tim, in heavyweights. Oh, he was skinny. yes, yes. He lost yeah. all the weight at the fat camp. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a funny guy, and he's done some w- really really good movies. I in my opinion, I've enjoyed them all. I don't know, I don't know your thoughts on Bridesmaids or any of those. I, I enjoy Bridesmaids. Um, the Heat. I I think Heat was a little. I cool. thought it was good. The first time I saw it, I thought they're using the F word a lot yeah. in this movie. It was good, not great. Spy. I watched it on our ride back from California. Uh, oh, had you March. not seen it before? I had not seen it before. Um, and so I watched it just because I had nothing else to do. And it was, it kept me entertained. Um, you know, it was good background noise. I'll say that. I think it was a good precursor into doing Ghostbusters because um, it was, I, I do agree with you on Spy that it did have those spy elements, yeah. a, a lot of heavy spy elements, but it was still a straight up comedy. And whereas the original Ghostbusters, I think as we've talked about before, I believe that to be more of a science fiction movie that has these moments of comedic relief in it, uh, thanks to the great comedians who were in the originals, uh, whereas this one is a straight-up comedy that also adds in a little bit of that nerdiness. I won't even say science fiction. I will just say straight-up nerdiness. Well, 
here's the thing. We we had this conversation before, but not on camera or recorded or anything, that you believe the original Ghostbusters is a product of its time, where you think that it doesn't necessarily hold up as well as everyone thinks it does. Uh, right? You yeah, said something kinda. along the lines where you said it, but it's, a, it's a movie that belongs in, the, like, you mentioned the special effects and the... Yeah, it, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, I It holds up for our generation. I'm not sure how new generations deal with it. Because, well, I haven't really talked to anyone. You're not chatting with five and six year olds watching it these days? I don't do that. I mean, that's how old I was. All I know is, and I I don't remember if I said this on or off camera or off microphone before, but I know that my parents grew up with Dan Aykroyd, uh, Bill Murray. They they grew up with Saturday Night Live. That was whenever, you know, my parents got married in 81. So they were in high school. And whenever. whenever SNL was on and they so they were just watching all of those movies so then it kind of Ghostbusters was that film that I was able to watch whenever I was younger that they enjoyed the actors in it and then I was able to enjoy it too and so yeah I mean it's it is very 80s heavy for sure and I'm not sure if I'm not like my kids will end up liking the original Ghostbusters. That's what they will see. So yeah, I could say that it is kind of a product of its time because I I don't know if it would do well for those five and six year olds today. With the exception, I mean, technically the people having those kids probably grew up with it. But I I don't know. It's it's weird how movies transcend time. It's it is one of those. It is definitely a product of its time. As in like you know the '80s gave birth to that weird cross genre. Um, type of a thing where like you've got American Werewolf in London that is terrifying but at the same time hilarious like it's a funny movie and then you've got Gremlins scary but funny you know it was that spawned to that like monster ghost but also humor so it was that crossing of the genres the crossing of the streams if you will Oh, and um, and there there are still directors out there to this day trying to do that nice breed. Well, However, I feel like it's not as prevalent. If you're going to market something as a comedy, they want it to be a straight up comedy. I'm going to give you a successful one here. Have you seen The Frighteners? Yes, it's it was been a while. Peter Jackson's movie that he did yeah. that actually yeah, the, yeah, is yeah. the reason why Lord of the Rings was yeah. made because they bought it's the computer. Been, it's been a while for me probably I, since college. When I saw that movie, I thought that was straight up like that's. A perfect example of like a Ghostbuster type movie because it it was humorous but scary but it had a great story you know and um, Michael J Fox isn't it yeah, of course I, I'll great, give you a recent last movies I'll give you a recent example main starring movies he's not passed away or anything that sounded really um, sad another one that's not I would not call this a big movie but it opened up uh, last year Krampus the yes. Christmas comedy yeah 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 whereas it was a it was a Christmas horror film however. By uh, adding on Adam Scott as yeah. well as uh, David Koechner, yeah, it just the, it brought in that little bit of humor to the darkness of the scenario, and that's what I feel the original Ghostbusters is. It was it was a comedy whirlwind. These people were they're very very funny, very talented, and they're in this what is a very weird movie written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, and. Um, you know, but it goes on. It spawns a children's television show. The real Ghostbusters that I was a huge fan of as a child. And anyone knows me um, knows how much I l- have been obsessed with Power Rangers for so many years. Ghostbusters was my original Power Rangers. The real Ghostbusters, the cartoon show. A cartoon show, mind you, that scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. I used to think that the Boogeyman lived under my bed because of one particular scary episode. And then they, we had Ghostbusters 2, a little less well-received. However, I watched that. 
I think, with the first time in my adult life, because that was the one when we were kids was always on TV. So it's like the one that I, I remember a lot of, but it always made me uncomfortable. Like, I don't like Janos. He made me feel weird. And I thought Vigo was very scary. And then the pink slime in the bathtub that tried to eat Oscar. Yeah. Um, it, it, there was a lot of those elements. But now watching it as an adult, and I understand the beats of the movie play very similar to the original Ghostbusters movie, but... I liked it. I thought the comedy, I thought Bill Murray's humor in that movie was funnier to me than it was in the first movie. I I mean, in terms of Ghostbusters 2, this obviously isn't a review of the original Ghostbusters, but the courtroom sequence of Ghostbusters 2 is some of my favorite moments of either of the first two films. With the Scolari brothers and everything. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, obviously the production budget was larger and it's five years later, but yeah, the Scolari brothers, that's a crazy, a crazy scary scene. Like, interesting, cool looking scene, too. Such a good way to kick off that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean,. Yeah, that scene to me has always been one of the best Ghostbuster yeah. scenes. Like, and they they throw on the packs, they go and get them, and they they trail them. In. You know, it, it's just it's got all those great moments. It's got the Do Re Egon, you know, which they do in Ghostbusters one. But it was nice to see that again. And yeah, we were a little flat there, though. I'll, yeah, I'll, I know. It's sorry. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I'm more of a Winston. So Winston, I, I, I understand. I see. Stand. Ecto cooler. Um, so then we go from Ghostbusters two. Um, then in the mid to later nineties, we get Extreme Ghostbusters, which I always thought was a great show. It's the it's it picks up where the real Ghostbusters left off. One of the few straight up sequel cartoons at that time, and it has Egon living in the firehouse. Years later, the Ghostbusters are no longer a thing. He teaches at the college as a paranormal. Um, a studies class and he gets a couple of students in his class and things go awry and basically these kids become the new Ghostbusters and um, the team was a little more diverse this time around and I thought it worked perfectly having the old the, the older Ghostbuster pass on to a new generation and I thought that's the third movie that's a great I mean that's great to me yeah. that's the way to do it because to me in the way it's set up in the movie Ghostbusters is it's a place of business with these scientists who have created it, but people should be able to come and go from being in the Ghostbusters. I think, I think, you know, that's just me though. And so here we are. We fast forward into the 2000s. Dan Aykroyd has been saying forever he's going to make Ghostbusters 3, and we just keep hearing about it, keep hearing about it, keep hearing about it. And finally, Sony just says, like, let's just, let's just reboot it. I think I want to say Paul. Well, Paul. Well, Paul Feig and Kate Diploid, who's yeah. worked with him on everything, pretty much. Um, they did they come up with the idea? I know they wrote the movie. Yeah, they they came up with the idea, but Sony was still, from what I remember, Sony was still looking to do a sequel, just a different sequel. But they came up with the idea. Well, let's just completely reboot redo it. it. Yeah, and that's whenever they said, "Okay, yeah, we like your idea for the treatment. Let's just." Let's, Let's do a go reboot. with it. Yeah, yeah. So. And uh, you know, and coming off of all the successes he'd had too, the, you know, they they have a successful he, director. He is extremely funny. I will give him that. Well, I think Bridesmaids is one of the most successful rated R comedies. Oh, ever, it, too. Bridesmaids hilarious. Yeah, everything and, about it is hilarious. And that's and that's one of those, you know, they look at it from that standpoint as well. The, you know, rebooting a franchise, a beloved franchise, is always a risk. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I don't know that I would have went with a reboot myself. However, Harold Ramis passes away, and I think that's pretty much was the nail in the coffin of continuing the Ghostbuster franchise as we knew it. The problem that this movie faced 
and we will get into the review, trust us. Uh, the, the precursor to all this, the problem that it faced is that the people who are most vocal on the internet right now is our age. Yeah. The late 20s, early 30s that grew up with this movie, as we discussed earlier, because of their parents, because they were child children of the 80s. We are the main people who loved Ghostbusters as we were growing up. And that is why there was so much negative press about this movie, because they were literally taking to the rest of the people out there. Like, I don't think my parents would think Ghostbusters is a sacred thing that can't be touched. I don't think younger people I don't people think my would mother think would either. As much as my mother is the one who is like, here's your thing, Ghostbusters. I think it is legitimately, and I don't even want to stereotype on that, I think it is legitimately guys in their late 20s and early 30s, and not not girls, guys in their late 20s and early 30s, that genuinely has such a strong affection for this movie that they don't want to see it done because this is probably the first big movie of our generation that has been rebooted like this. And it's hard to see that. And I, I hate, I, I don't mean to like tie it back into this thing, but I, I can relate to people. I'm, I feel like I've always said I'm embraceive of, of remakes and reimaginings. And now I'm sitting here with my favorite franchise in the world is the Power Rangers is about to face their re reboot and you know i find myself sometimes being that annoying person who's like well they changed the lightning bolt oh I oh know. well they did that but i'm oh, still in I've my heart i know i'll see the movie and you know i hope for nothing else than this to be a good film and i'm just happy that there's more power rangers in the world and that's how i feel about ghostbusters when they said they were doing this i've said for me ghostbusters has always been a franchise that's never met its full potential because i see it as something that can keep going it's cool. I mean, it's 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 people that are hunting ghosts, but I feel like that's just the medium of where you could put a really interesting story. And so here we we will move into the actual film now. So So before we get too far into this or into it at all, can we kind of change this up and make this our first spoilerish review? Yeah, I, I think that I think there's kind of no way to do that because to be here's here's my issue here with a lot of the stuff I've read. On I read a couple of reviews, uh, just the you know two or three sentence blurbs about the movie. I don't like to read too much because I don't want to have expectations or spoilers or something by accident. We will do spoilers in this episode, but we will try not to take. We won't like nail everything out that yeah. you can't go and it will be an enjoyable or non enjoyable experience but, for you. But long story short, if you're even a little bit worried about it, stop listening now. Go see it, then come back and listen to this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things that's very aggravating to me is that when I did go through Flickster to look at the personal person, because it's the critic score is at about 73%. I believe this movie's been certified fresh. It has, 74. And, and the audience view is like around 45, but I read through that and it's not accurate. A lot of the reviews that they're allowing to be processed as part of this number are people that haven't seen it. Yeah. They're only people that have written it as the trailer, and I think that is very unfair to a film. Yeah, that's the problem with the internet, though, is that people do have that ability to do this. I mean, the same thing happens on IMDb. They're allowed to just go on and give it whatever they want yeah. without actually seeing it. And, you know, that that's their right, but that's also why they try to balance those sites out with saying, okay, well, we're only going to take votes from people who do vote a certain amount of times yeah so that way it isn't uh so skewed for just the people out there who gives uh ones and tens to everything because that's not fair right so well let's let's hop in then and, and we'll start and we'll give you the so what here's the plot is the plot 
Okay, so this movie opens in a similar fashion to how both other Ghostbusters movies have opened. So, you know, it's New York City. It's modern day in this one. And um, there's a house. I can't remember the name of the house. But it's like it's like an old mansion that's now a museum. And our, we meet our tour guide, Gabe, from The Office, of course, because what Woods. else would he be doing? Yeah. <laughs> and Hey, he's on Silicon Valley. Oh, I think he's great Arguably on The Office when he's on The Office. one of the funniest shows on right now. Well, he is. Well, so right there, I'm also like, oh, well, they got this. I love when there's like comedians that show up in these small side roles. Yeah. So he's 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 at a house, uh, um, a house that's now a museum. And, you know, it's it's one of those like it's like the Lizzie Borden house yeah. where they're taking people through and they're like, oh, this is where they killed somebody, you know, and. Um, talking about the resident of the house had once killed somebody or something, and and so everybody leaves, and it's kind of the it's very wrong, but that's okay. What? Yeah, somebody they said that they had locked the daughter they in the basement the and okay, had locked yeah, all the but it, Well, okay, so basically it was the daughter had been locked in the basement and sealed into this room, and mm-hmm. and you know they 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 say it's never been opened since, you know. But he laughs a little bit, and there's like a fake candle that falls over, so they ooh, it's scary. Ooh. And anyway, so he's closing up for the night, and then. Um, as he's leaving, you know, a paranormal, well, the door opens, he goes into the basement. It's this whole, yeah, paranormal thing. You see a machine on the ground that's kind of going off, right? We're going to talk about the machine. Uh, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. So, um, you know, he goes in and it's right away. I think this is a cool scene. I I liked, I liked kind of, it's immediately like here are the visuals and how they're going to be different from yeah. the original pretty much. But it's still like, you know, it ends with that same library, the librarian from the original movie, how you know it's kind of her just putting the books away yeah. and a couple scary weird things. And then she's running through the stacks and it's the scream. It's the same idea. It's yes. Gabe trying to get back up the stairs of the basement and turns around and you don't see what he sees, but he screams and then it pushes into the... Cut to the yeah. opening, um, which then brings us into uh, Kristen Wick. Because why not kick off the movie with her playing Dr. Aaron Gilbert, who Aaron Gilbert. is a professor at Columbia trying to get tenure. Um, and she is at her school, and she is visited by Ed Begley Jr., and nonetheless. I know, yeah, uh, I laughed. Great, great casting choice here to talk about paranormal stuff, because she had written a book earlier in her life with Melissa McCarthy's character, Abby Yates, who uh, is still in the paranormal field. And so that kind of sets up the whole story is that they wrote this book together that uh, that uh, Dr. Gilbert, Kristen Wiig, was hoping was completely gone and vanished. But really, it turns out that Melissa McCarthy's character has been promoting it, selling it on the side, keeping it out there and alive. So in order for Gilbert to get tenure, she needed to be gone. And that sets up the whole uh, they need to go see each other. Well things basically you know they see each other and then that's whenever they all decide to go together her um melissa mccarthy and then kate mckinnon's character holtzman they all go to uh ed begley's library together uh, or not library it was a museum the murder house museum they all go there together to uh, investigate it they see the ghost you see this scene in the previews the one where Kristen wig gets uh, ectoed all over her, and uh, from from there that uh, that sets up a turn of events that eventually they they uh, start their paranormal investigation company, which I can't remember the full name of their paranormal investigation company. 
it's, it's um like, it's it's oh my gosh she said it and i said it earlier a million times well I, i'm more i it's would like take seekers of the paranormal or no something it like was that. like cognitive dispution of paranormal invent like it was it's super a really long, long complicated and, name. yeah <laughs> which i love to play on it later but yeah, so that's that's essentially the plot of the film, and they are trying to figure out what is causing these paranormal activities in New York City. That's the gist of it. Ed Begley Jr., one of one of the best moments in this movie. And your spoiler, Ed Begley Jr.'s character's name in this is Ed Mulgrave. So whenever they show up at the mansion, oh my gosh, it's so funny. When they show up at the mansion, they see uh, Gabe. I love how that's just how we're referring to him. It's Gabe from The Office. He's yeah. standing across the street, and they go up and they ask, and they're like, "Well, can we can we speak to Ed Mulgrave?" And like Ed Mulgrave, he's been dead for fifteen years. And Kristen Wiig is like, they're all shocked, and like, no, he came to my office. He spoke to me just earlier today. <laughs> that's when, and no, he's been dead for fifteen years, and that's when Ed Begley Jr. walks up. It says hello. Like, no, that's him. Like, oh, well, that's Ed Mulgrave Jr. And that is that was like the first moment where I was like, okay, this is going to be just straight up stupid humor in this movie. Well, there was there was a moment before that, a fart joke that I felt was extremely inappropriately placed. But Yeah. Well, so so that you know, they go into the house. They investigate. They see the paranormal ghost. Everyone's if you've seen, they haven't seen the trailer. I don't know where you've been. This trailer's been playing like crazy. The ghost is there. She she vomits up the ectoplasm onto Abby, uh, not Abby. Excuse me, Aaron and and um, Aaron. You know, get the, Abby's got a video camera. They're, it's all videotaped, and then they put it on YouTube. And if like everything that goes on YouTube, it's kind of picked apart. And so basically, uh, um, Aaron loses her job at. Loses the, you know, gets fired from. A fantastic cameo by Charles Dance, who is just wonderful. Who's Charles Dance? What? Disappointed in you. What? Charles Dance the was dean? her boss. Yes. Yeah, but what else is he from? Why do I know who he is? He's the, he's on, uh, he's like the bad guy in everything. Well, as of late, you could have watched him in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm not surprised about not that. Not for the longest. Um, he's also... A fantastic addition to the first Underworld movie, as well as everything. It's Charles. Is he in Underworld? Yes. Oh, I mean, I knew that. I knew I knew him from stuff. I was thinking he was the dude from Lost. The but I always get you know Penny's dad, but um, he is not. Anyway, so he Abby gets. Uh, I'm sorry, Aaron gets let go from Columbia. You know, as you remember in the original movie, um, uh, Vankman and um, Stans are both fired from. Uh, columbia as well and oh never mind i apologize i just looked it up i forgot that was bill nye in the first underworld movie yeah that's why i was like i don't think that guy's in there but what the uh, hell sorry um, pardon my friend (laughs) what was bill nye doing in underworld bill nye does a lot of (laughs) movies but uh so anyway she's fired which is kind of setting off the events of where they're like well this is our dream let's you know let's do this let's we got to investigate this so aaron is still dead set excuse me that wasn't supposed to be a pun and i really apologize but aaron is set on proving the existence of ghosts so they're basically trying to like you know reclaim their name and um so that's kind of the basis of that character's arc and which is crazy because for me in the original movie it's kind of they're fired from columbia and that's the end of it you know what i mean and they're just like well we know there's ghosts let's go into let's let's do this let's try and 
You know, now I'm thinking about it. What's the motivation for them in Ghostbusters to be Ghostbusters? Is it just so they can, like, why are they fighting the paranormal activity? There is no motivation for that in the original movie other than they go into their own business. This is the thing that people won't ever do about the original Ghostbusters 2 is, like, look at it with eyes of clarity and just, you know, not that it's this beloved thing and just pull out the holes in that movie. And I'm not, uh, say, and I'm not saying you should because I do think it is one of my favorite movies. But Okay, I apologize. We are jumping around a lot with this. With the original Ghostbusters movie, I feel like they are straight up paranormal investigators. No. I, I what do. are they doing with the proton packs then? That is how they capture the ghosts. What are they doing with the ghosts, though? They just put it in the containment unit. They put them in the containment unit, but the whole point is to study. I feel like they're never... And, okay. abs- okay. and that's fine. I'll agree with no, that. It, because with it, you. you have to follow that into Ghostbusters, too, whenever they do find the goo. It is all about researching more with the paranormal So they're basically field. creating, they're creating like a token spirit guide. If, if anyone who is very familiar with Ghostbusters lore know that's the book that, the go-to book of Ray's character is that token spirit guide or, um, there's another book too they go to a lot, I can't remember, but. I just, I, I feel like they are straight up paranormal who do, you don't see it on screen because it would be boring to really sit around and see this stuff on screen, whereas this one. I, th- I felt like I that's felt what like they were doing more in this one. Than no, no, no. I, ar- I argue based on the finale of the movie that it quickly doesn't become about capturing, containing, and studying. And it turns into right. we are going to kill ghosts, which makes no sense to me because they okay, are I don't, already I don't dead. know that I... That I'm I'm gonna agree with you there, but we I don't I don't want to debate there only because I'm gonna tell you that I thought one of the weird things not weird things but one of the things about this movie was that I thought wow they're spending a lot of time on the fact that they're actually like studying this stuff because like the entire time they're in the Chinese food restaurant it's all about what can we do to make these I I do agree with you they make a lot of stuff well okay let's finish up. The plot okay. part first. You, you, I will up. let you go on that. Okay. So so anyway. So so Aaron Aaron is trying to capture the ghost the ghost to prove because she's still got her heart on going back to Columbia at this point. So her number one goal in this is getting the ghost to prove that she's not a terrible scientist and you know to to vet her name. And of course Abby is Abby is um well she's you know she's always been invested in this. So her thing is just like I want to keep going. There's no point in this movie where I think they're doing what they're doing for monetary gain at all. That was never really clarified. It's basically that they are being hired as like Lorraine and Ed from uh, The Conjuring. Those two in real life. That's kind of like how I imagine the Ghostbusters to be represented as in this film. And kind of the, you, we need help. You know, we're going to call you, call you people. Like, who are you going to call? And... um so anyway, so they, they set up shop, they get there, they have an advertisement out for some secretary, and then enter <laughs> what I think is my favorite character in this film. Wait, before, what was the advertisement that they put out there, though? Oh, I see something, say something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, I think that's the um, Homeland Security. Uh, oh, I thought it sounded familiar. That was funny. Yeah, that and then there's, then there's a throwback. Well, I'm not going to give away all that stuff. So a lot of nods to the original that maybe didn't do the movie really a lot of service because i'm going to tell you right now as you're watching the movie there will be a point where you're like how many different versions of the theme song are in this movie yeah and we checked we went on we went on to find the soundtrack there are four different songs titled ghostbusters on the soundtrack alone and and 
one of them's great. I we we talked about it. I like the Walk the Moon one. Yes, like you do because I, I, I listened to that more today. And you know, I don't know why they chose the Fallout Boy to be the one that they went with to promote this film. I yeah. think that was their mistake. And I that's where I will say I'll just get it out of the way now. I didn't hate the cameos that were in the movie. I hated the callbacks to song lyrics to little ghostbusters trivia from the past like i hated all of that there's a there's a there's a um a a sci-fi tv show on in the background that's like a fake you know they go and they check the haunted place it's called ghost smashers and and if you know the trivia of the original movie craig's just gonna break stuff in this room if you know the uh trivia of the original movie it's that um the the movie was originally going to be called ghost smashers um but Anyway, there's a lot. It's almost like it gets hooked on too many of those. Like, like you need things like proton packs and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, the cameos were great. I actually thought every person's cameo was great in this film. You, um, every single Ghostbuster is in this movie. Harold Ramis is in here in, as a... As a I'm going to tell you who he is because he's very hard to spot. But I we we noticed it right away. It was a... He's a, a um, statue oh. in... Uh, He's a bust in um, Abby's. I, I wouldn't say he was hard to spot. It was easy to spot, but the fact that they made him a female statue—no, they didn't. Yeah, they absolutely did. Why did you? The see- hair was big and bushy, like a female. Okay, I'm not sure if you'd seen Harold Ramis toward the end of his life, but that statue was definitely modeled after what he looked like right uh, before he passed I away. I would, I would say it was a little bit bigger than that. As we, you may or may not know, but Harold Ramis toward the end was a very. He gained a lot of weight. Oh, I know. I've seen Orange County, and he had very, he had very very curly hair at one point. But I I, I I see what you're saying. But I thought it was on the over dramatized. I thought Bill Murray's it. cameo was fantastic. Yes, yeah, so um, one of the I thought one of the almost scarier moments of the movie actually uh, not scary like surprise scary. And then Dan Aykroyd's I thought was great too. And it then, was Dan Aykroyd. It was classic him. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, his callback—he does have a callback to the like the slogan of the Ghostbusters. I actually thought that was that one. I thought was okay. Um, I also really enjoyed Ernie Hudson's thing. Sigourney Weaver's felt a little thrown—not thrown in, but it's definitely not. You got to stay through the credits because she's not in the main part of the movie. But Annie Potts's uh, cameo was also fantastic. Unfortunately, Craig went to the bathroom right before it happened and came back right when it was over. You know what? All those Coca-Cola commercials—they get to you. So anyway, the the Ghostbusters they they do what they do. They set up shop. They they put out a call for the secretary. They get uh, Chris Hemsworth, who is the stupidest but most attractive human being. That's the, that's that character's role, and um, you know Aaron loves him. So it's kind of it's a throwback to that Egon and Janine tension in the original movie, and then um, you know stuff goes on. People start calling. All of a sudden, there's ghosts. Every, you know, not everywhere, but in places and. Um, what we this movie goes to great lengths to kind of have like there's the anti Ghostbuster, I want to say, um, and I'm I'm not that's not a massive spoiler because that is revealed almost immediately in the film, and uh, he is creating machines. They say this in the trailer, creating machines that amplify, amplify and attract paranormal activity. So that's why ghosts are all of a sudden becoming a thing. And he's basically trying to create this thing that's going to create a vortex that opens up to the other side where one plane of existence crashes down onto the other plane of existence. Not to go back to it, but just to defend myself a little bit, I just found the bust of Harold Ramis. I found a picture of it. 
It looks exactly like Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to show you that. Oh, God, it there actually does. And there. Oh, and that's not even a heavy Harold Ramis. They modeled no, that after the young Harold Ramis. But, but they chose, like, the Harold Ramis hairdo of, like, the like meatballs. Like, the young, looks, young Harold Ramis. It looks just like Margaret Thatcher. It absolutely does. That's why I assumed they that did, it was a, a female They did Harold dedicate Ramis. the movie to him as they well, did. though. That was nice. Um, they did. But anyway, I, I feel like we're going to get weighed down on the plot here, but... We are. Let's talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. Okay, so... I, I, well, you start. How about you start? I'll start. I'll go back to what I told you before and argued. They ditched the paranormal part because the entire climax of the film, spoiler, 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 I cannot say it enough right now, it was not about them capturing these ghosts. Not, not, yeah, not that I, it wasn't the original either. However, not this a was a trap straight was up yeah. action movie. Yeah. This was... Okay, all of these. It wasn't. We're gonna defeat the one big villain ghost. It was. We are going to somehow use these proton packs as if they were laser whips, and just start whipping ghosts around. And as soon as we whip them, all of a sudden they're gonna fly off and vanish. Okay. Well, here's here's my thing. The original proton packs do that as well. Like, however, pro- proton packs are. It's it's basically like it not like a I don't want to describe it as a whip but it is like the tail end of the proton wraps around the ghost and then you're able to move the ghost. You're able to move the ghost. However, with the way the way in the force they move the ghost as they did in the older movies, it would still hold on to them and if they did if they did move the ghost quickly, they wouldn't all of a sudden vanish into thin air like well, they were. Well, I don't in know this. that they I don't know that I would say that I saw like it's not like oh they disappeared because the finale of the film is filled with it just, I, all you are smoky. heavily defending this right no, now. No, no, no. But I do, I do see. I do absolutely know what you're talking about. My issue with that, in the same vein as your issue, is that there is an excessive, and I have no issue with this really about them creating more other than proton packs things. It was kind of like the end of the movie was like, look at all the proton ideas we came up with in this movie, and let's just show. But everything. all the extra ones were about how to. Flat out, just destroy these. My number one issue was the ghost chipper. The ghost chipper, the shotgun hand thing. Kate McKinnon pulling two pistols. I was okay with the. I I was was not okay with any of that. I don't. I was okay with the proton glove because that was built to for like hand to hand ghost combat or whatever. I get that. And the proton grenades, those are fine. I understand what you're saying about the whips. I I think I thought the scene was cool looking. No, um, but I know what you're saying. Like she, but I don't know. It was. I don't want to paint the picture as if it's like she whipped and the ghost split in half. It is like that they is grabbed little... the ghost and it like went in. Well, you're right. There was a. There was just it. Basically, okay. So there was a thing called the ecto, like chipper or something like that, right? Or yeah. The proton chipper, chipper or something. The ghost chipper. So it's like it's kind of like a square box you hold. It pulls the ghost in, spits it out on the other side. So it was like the ghost thing and then on the other side it just became ectoplasm like a pool of um of just like slime and i uh he um i thought that was weird because i was like well why so that's how like that's not inconsistency with ghost trap containment unit also there was no containment unit in this movie which i but this movie doesn't this movie is not how the original Ghostbusters, like halfway through the movie, 
not even halfway, are the Ghostbusters. They are a fully formed team. They have fully formed things. This movie is not fully formed till the end of the movie. Like, a lot of the stuff kind of is, but... I mean, I'm going to talk about the firehouse really quick. So there's the firehouse in the beginning of the movie, and that is not where they set up shop in this movie. And I was almost kind of like, why'd you show it then? Like, I I like the reference to being like, well, the rent for that place would have been $27,000 a month or something like that. Well, and that's where I hated those little little callbacks, those little nods, that it was – like, they didn't need that part in there. If anything, it does make an appearance later on again in the movie. I won't say when. But if they would have just left that last part in there, that would have been a nice. Yeah, way to I, wrap I would it up. have been okay if that had all been contained to one scene in the finale, as opposed to having it thrown in the beginning. Because then it kind of it did a weird thing to me, where I was like, ah, oh, don't reference this, and then not like don't give me what I you know don't give me the thing that I love about Ghostbusters and take it away from me. You know, I it's it's that was a little weird, but it wasn't. It, I also consider that to be like a throwback to a modern being like well in 2016 this would have been expensive but i'm also yeah. like well the only reason they were able to afford it in the original one is because it was condemned like yeah. it was supposed to be condemned and that's my next issue in this i felt like a lot of the technology and the stuff you saw in the background of the film was like straight out of the 80s yet it was supposed to be modern day. Okay, I, I don't have that issue, but I do have an issue in that same realm with this movie, okay? okay. Um, I I think the stuff stays within with in the universe of being like, okay, I know that's a proton pack. Yeah. It You know, clearly the wand part of the proton pack is different. The back of the proton pack is different, but it's got the circular shape. It's got the whole hum. It's got, a, you know, nuclear whatever. It, I would say that this stuff looked more steampunk oriented to me. It was a lot of bronze, brownish, like yeah. metal things. And I I have an issue with older Star Trek. I, I love Star Trek, okay? Yeah. Um, but it's hard for me sometimes to watch the older Star Trek, like 60s, like original series, even Next Generation, where they get bogged down in the mumbo jumbo of the science of what they're doing. Because, you know, nowadays the common person's a little more educated on things of the universe and that stuff. And uh, granted when Star Trek came out, we hadn't been to the moon yet. So it's not like space travel was a thing, you know? Um, So I I allow for that. However, this movie, the original Ghostbusters too, I am okay with how they describe stuff. They don't describe it too often. It's kept to like two or three sentences between Ray and Egon. And it's kind of like, Egon, uh, Venkman's the straight man who doesn't understand that aspect of it, and they have to dumb it down. You know what I mean? Or even Winston's like that, yeah. too. This movie had a lot of nonsensical science conversation in it. And I would say this is thanks to the Big Bang Theory, because you and I have been talking about it a lot lately, yeah. and that's where this came into play, where Big Bang Theory in the first season, while they they had scientists writing this stuff in there so it was accurate this stuff was all accurate they were saying and that's why people loved it it's in that movie or in that tv show they had accurate scientific writing but people didn't understand it and they kind of like you know they laughed at it because it's like all these nerds yeah and then that show shifted to where it's like more mainstream nerd culture was referenced now that it started becoming for bigger, massive audiences. This was like, oh, we're going to kind of do the same thing. We're going to talk about science stuff, and people might find it kind of funny with all of our lingo and stuff we're using, and it's all going to come together. And it just was like, you, stop making up gibberish. They just did. Shut they up. said some lines verbatim, and, you, and, and I, what I will 
I'll say those lines are okay because they, you have a sense of familiarity with words like I, I can't even think of one right now. But one was literally what Ray yeah, said to the other one. It, and, it went but overboard. Then, yeah, it was like okay. So in the original movie, it was two or three lines. In this movie, it was like twelve. And like there is Kate a scene McKinnon. where Kate McKinnon's character is like saying it, and she's using weird tones and saying. And I was like, okay, well, it's not quite a joke, but you're talking about reversing a thing and doing this, and then it'll spin the thing back. And I was like, that's not. I mean, now you've said it so much that now I don't believe you. Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy also did add-ins on some of this. It wasn't just Kate McKinnon, but for the most part, it was Kate McKinnon because she was the lead kind of She's the lead crazy tech person. Yeah, crazy. Like... Those three all know the stuff. I'm sorry, we didn't even say this about the characters because I didn't even tell you about how Leslie Jones got in the movie. But we'll get there. (laughs) um, But that—that's one of my issues with the movie. Was that kind of like they took the science and went over? And I've just been watching the extreme Ghostbusters, and you know, there's the mumbo jumbo stuff in that. But they keep that to a minimum on that show too. And I'm not saying I'm like, I'm not like. I'm not against it, but at the same time, it also sounded like they were like, just make up some words where they're like, oh, the Keurig three-dimensional um, Spittlehoppin' was, had re- anti-reverse by the uh, Plagueis. Okay. What? The Hooter Fluden? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was literally like trying to shop at Ikea, like just trying to name everything that you got at once. And you're just like, I don't, okay, it, it's not, you're not giving yourself credit. Yeah. And yeah, Kate McKinnon for me, I love SNL. I love SNL right now. She was a complete bust in this movie. In which is which is crazy because all the things I read is that she had the standout character in the movie, and I wish I hadn't read that before I went here. Because I, I'm gonna tell you right now, Leslie Jones for me, I think, was my favorite of the four Ghostbusters. Leslie Jones, I thought I know I I wasn't overly familiar with her before she became the Ghostbuster, but I I'm familiar with her now from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And I was I I know that her thing is screaming and yelling, but she started out as a writer on Saturday Night Live, I believe, and then transitioned to the show, or she writes as well, or something like that. I could be way off, excuse me, but um, she, I thought, actually her character was almost kind of the straight man of the group. Like, she, she's the history person. She knows all the city. Because um, she was like a subway worker, but she's also... She worked in the subway until she had a paranormal experience with yeah, the villain, counter. and... So whenever she heard about the Ghostbusters, she went to them and then kind of officially added herself onto the team, which, as she then joked about later on, well, I thought this was like a book club. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I, I think that was kind of the gist of it, but it was, she didn't realize what she was really signing herself up for whenever she was starting to follow them through all of this. Uh I thought it, she was going to be straight up Leslie Jones from SNL. I thought she was going to scream. They promote all that the time. in the previews. They promote too. it, and the only time she was obnoxious was in the mo- in the previews that they showed. Those yeah. her lines from those. That was the only time I found her bad. Otherwise, I thought she delivered some of the funniest like quiet uh, yeah. quiet comedy. You know what I mean? Like the under the breath jokes. Yeah. I thought I thought she I thought she did very well for herself. And if she can, if that can be like her. If she can try and break into more roles like that, like I think she could be successful in a, mo- yeah. you know, being in more comedy films that, you know, out of the sketch comedy realm. Yeah. But, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know that any of the other, I didn't like Kate. Kate McKinnon is really the only one that I straight up don't think I liked at all. Yeah. I and I, and I don't want to say like I don't like her at all. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying I do feel like I need to see the film again. I did not 
hate the film by any means. Um, however, you know, it is extremely tonally different from the the originals. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. Like I'm saying that that it should be a different thing. But it, it's hard when you make so many callbacks, like we've said, where you you're trying to say we're something else, but you're still straight up talking about the I, original movie. I had one more dislike, okay. and I am struggling to think about it right now, actually. I had it, and then I just lost it. So I want to... You mentioned that you enjoyed Leslie Jones best in terms of the four Ghostbusters. Yeah, However, so. I have to just say, I enjoyed the fifth Ghostbuster. Oh, yeah. I mean, one. Chris Hemsworth is really the standout star of this film. He is. And I, I have read many a review now that says, oh, well, you know what? We actually did not like Chris Helmsworth in this. Oh, no. Because, because his character was so one-dimensional and never had any depth. That is the whole point of his entire character. He's supposed to be the pretty but dumb guy. He's the actor. He works for them. He's a sec- you know, he's their secretary. He's a wannabe the actor. You know, he's the <laughs> wannabe actor, and he's just the biggest dum-dum in the world. And, you know... Look at my headshots. Which one do you like more? The one of me... Playing the saxophone or, or the one listening, listening. to the <laughs> and he's got his ear against the saxophone. Like you know, there's a lot of really good. I don't know if anyone's seen the preview, but when he like gives uh, Abby coffee and she's like, "Is there sugar in it this time?" and he sips the coffee, but then immediately spits it out. Some of it catches the glass, but he goes, "Oh, oh I hate yep. coffee." Yeah, the sugar's yeah, in, no it. Sugar in it. Like, and it's just one of those like perfectly choreographed, said, done, acted moments for me that I'm like, man, Chris Hemsworth. I think he should pursue more comedic roles. His comedic timing is outstanding because he knows how to do the over the top, but he also knows how to do the quiet and dumb dumb. I'll be, I'll argue, even if he wasn't around as a, you know, as Thor, we we already know him now in our culture very well. Even if he wasn't around before that, if this was his first movie and he just acted like this, I would have said he was a natural born comedian. He just, yeah, I, I don't think he. Has I would a say lot of, his background is in comedy. He yet. doesn't have a lot of range as a comedian. He knows how to play dumb, but he knows how to play dumb very well. Yeah, it, it, it's. It, it, I I thought they did really well with that, with with him as that character. That's almost. It's a big one of those like I want more Kevin. Yeah, because that's his. You know, that's the character name, but. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, there's things there, you know, I, I want to talk about stuff we liked about the movie though. I, I, Kevin. Cause, cause you know, we Kevin. started about that. I liked Kevin. I liked, I liked Leslie Jones's character. Um, I thought the, the, the effects were, you know, the Ghostbuster effects. I thought they, they were, they were good. They, 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 it's weird. Cause they like kind of. Okay, so in the preview, there's that one where Leslie Joan has has the uh, the ghost on top of her shoulders. Yeah. That's like a bat. I'm like, that is not a ghost, though. What that? What what is that thing? That's that's like a yeah. demon. You know, and and the cartoon show. Well, there was they did. They also had like demon like because there's an episode of Ghostbusters Extreme where there there's a, a golem that's defending a Jewish temple, and you know that's a mythological yeah. thing. And you it's know. tough. I mean, this the guy. He, the the villain of this is summoning the undead, yeah. Essentially, so I guess it, it could be anything in that realm. There, just that winged demon that we saw in the previews. That wasn't the only thing out of the ordinary. There were like Macy's Parade balloon. Oh, in fairness, the, when the the villain of the film does say. 
we're going to make it like an old timey. We're going to make an old time New York welcome. And so they, there is like the throwback that like there's that one stilt walker kind of ghost yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, and there's Slimer obviously makes his appearance. But there's no real like backstory to why any of the ghosts look like this. However, that is true in the original film as well. It, I, so I can't I'm not going to knock this movie for not. In what regards? What What is Slimer? I always assumed he was just a really obese person without legs. A tiny obese, like, okay, there's more though. In the scene where the, no, there's more because in the scene where the, where uh, Walter Peck shuts the containment unit off and the thing explodes, there's a lot of ghosts that come out of that thing and yeah, not all you're of right. are people ghosts. Yeah. Even there is, well, there no, is no focus necessarily <laughs> on people, un, un people like yeah, ghosts in the movie, but, but there's shots of. Them. But even in this one, I was still assuming Slimer. He just looks like Dom DeLuise after oh, eating God. a fried chicken dinner. Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. I mean, Slimer does <laughs> got hu- he obviously is a human character, which I did enjoy Slimer in this one too. Yeah, I love this, Slimer. I, mean, I you believe can't what, the official quote was be on one hell of a joy ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, um, he's having one hell of a night. Yeah, something like it was. It oh, was a good he's line. Enjoying himself. Yeah, something that like he was like, well, he's doing what he should be doing. That's yeah. you know, like they weren't holding against him. But yeah, um, <laughs> I I thought I I was fine with the special effects. I thought they were good. Um, you know, we saw it in two D, and there's clearly several moments that are oriented for three D viewing. I mean, the ghost throws an axe right at the yeah. screen. And not necessarily in a cheesy way. It was just yeah. like kinda like one of those like it, we know it, we know this is the spectacle part of the movie. Let's give him something for the spectacle. And here I need to give my I liked it, but I also didn't. I did enjoy a lot of the humor in it. Yeah. However, you and I have both discussed this. This was just begging to be another R-rated Paul Feig comedy. And on top of that, I also think it was begging to be a longer film. Because yeah. we, we were, the movie's clocking in around an hour and 45 minutes. And I actually just read that the original cut of this movie four is four hours, hours long. Yeah, yeah and there, is a, there are several scenes in this film. So we'll, we'll just talk about that really quick before we get into the R-rated thing. But um, there are several specific films that it, maybe if you're not, you know... No, because Eli even brought this up. So there's the scene that's in the trailer where Kevin is outside of the window in his Ghostbusters uniform, and he's like, here's my bike, and I want to be, you know, and he yells up to Abby. Something's just happened, and they're trying to, you know, yell to him to come inside and get out of the street, and he's like, look, I've got my Ghostbusters uniform and my Ghostbusters bike, and I was born to do this. And it's as if he had just asked them earlier in the film, could he be a Ghostbuster? They said no, so he went out got everything he needed, came back with it, and was like, look, now I have the stuff. Exactly. So there's clearly like a scene missing. It's as if it's as if there had been an, an interaction before. And then earlier on, there's a lot of very awkward cuts to just Kate McKinnon's face that I think yeah. they were like covering up pieces that were missing. And we are not the first people to point that out. No. A lot of people have said this. Yeah, especially in the very beginning. It, it felt yeah. like... and. And now we'll move on to what Craig well, was saying about the rated R thing. There's a really funny moment earlier in the film when uh, Abby and um, Holtzman, the Kay McKinnon character, are getting fired from their university as well. And they have an interaction with the dean. And that's for yeah. me, I, th- I actually thought the interaction was starting to be like, oh, okay, this is funnier because he keeps flipping them off. And he's giving them yeah. the bird and he's doing it in all these funny ways. And that's kind of the Paul Feige way, right? The scene kind of doesn't end where you think it does. It's going to keep going for a couple extra minutes and instead of saying the F word, you know, they're flipping them off and like, all right, well that was funny, but you also gave other examples of like, yeah, there was a lot of times where 
they could have said the S word or the F word and it was replaced with uh, shooting crap and stuff like that. It just, it, this movie felt like it was catering. I, I don't want to put this harshly. It felt like it was catering to young girls yeah, who wanted, who needed an action comedy that was finally for them. This is what it felt like. It felt like the studio got involved at some point if, and kind of was like, hey, we need you to pull back. Yeah. I had, and I didn't hate this movie as much as, you know, I went into it with very low expectations. He did not want to And I came it. out and I had those moments in the movie where I know I looked at Rhino and I said, is this really happening? Yeah. There were a lot of stuff like that in this. Overall, though, I have to say I did enjoy it. However, I wasn't the demographic and I felt that walking out. I, I felt weird because I this movie. Old was meant for young this was a solid pg-13 movie this is like the type that my family would have been okay with me going to see whenever i was in that teenager range whereas this movie didn't it needed to cater to everyone yeah and it it, didn't it it felt like it felt like paul feig and kate diploid had an idea that they were like that's great and then the studio you know all the pressure started falling down then they felt the you know the squeeze coming in, and they were like, "Okay, well, you know that like we need to make toys for this because yeah. it, you know Ghostbusters, which nobody realizes it's not Ghostbusters that has a successful toy line; it's the real Ghostbusters, which is the animated cartoon show. Which, which I, you know, I'll even say this: the animated cartoon show is known for actually being scary and kind of pushing that boundary of rating. The earlier seasons, at least, before it became Slimer oriented. I'll go before, beyond that. It's just the name in general. Yeah. You know. Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters. It's a name brand. People know Ghostbusters. They're going to buy something on that. Right. It's the same way you can make up a new dinosaur that's never been oh, seen in a Jurassic movie. Jurassic Park. Called Jurassic Park. People are going to buy it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think that kind of pressure came in where they were like, okay, well, we need tie-ins too. You know? Yeah. Like, we've been sitting here doing this review, and I've seen the Ghostbusters come, the Papa John's Ghostbusters commercial come on, some other Ghostbusters commercial. And, like, it's kind of like... Sometimes I just wish a studio could let the artist be the artist. Like, just let him do the movie that he wants to do. But I do understand that an R-rated Ghostbusters would not necessarily have been successful. However, I think it might have ended up being more successful than this film will end up being. Which is which is a little sad to me because I do want this franchise to continue. I think Ghostbusters is a franchise that has yet to be overdone. I, I don't think that it's... I don't. I'm surprised that in my life there hasn't been more Ghostbuster yeah. stuff. I mean, it's it it can appeal to all of us. It's you know, ghost stories are part of American, like they're. I mean, they're. It's world culture. It's world culture. It's built in our folklore. I mean, that's what we used to do: is sit around fires and tell the ghost story. You know what I mean? Like we all. It's a human experience. So it's just something that there should be more of, and I really hope that happens. And I actually think that this film. Let's say a sequel goes through, and let's say it's it's the same. Everybody's involved again. I think the next film will be much, will be on a better level than this yeah. one if they let him just do what yeah. he wants to do. This, I mean, this grows into Paul, a way, even an even larger question of what level of success does a movie truly have to have to get greenlit for a sequel? Honestly, if this movie even makes maybe. 
ten percent of her original budget back on top of making its original budget. Yeah. I would consider that successful enough to warrant a sequel because I think there are more stories to be told with these characters. And not even not even rehashing on stories that Ghostbusters one and two told. No. There they definitely have an idea of how to take things differently because there was so many different things in this movie. Well, and I will, and and that's one of the things I should say that this credit does, this movie does deserve a lot of credit that as much as some of the callbacks to the original are there, there's a very original storyline in this film. Yes. There is a very good reason why ghosts are showing up. Yeah. It's not just paranormal. It's not, there is a plot. There is a thing at work. Yeah. There are mechanisms in place that make all of this happen. However, this was one of those situations where you needed kind of I compare this movie to uh, I'll compare it to a TV series. You needed the first one to get out of the way to really get into yeah. the nitty gritty. That's what that's what actually you, you almost put it perfectly. That's how I almost felt at the end yeah. where I was like, you need the pilot episode. Yes. to get you through you know like exactly. you go through you watch the pilot episodes and sometimes you'll get to the end of an amazing show and you go back and you rewatch the pilot and think oh it had a great pilot and you watch it and you're like man things are so different in the pilot yeah. but they like but it got perfected after it yeah you need it needs to be given another opportunity is and i mean you heard me leading up to this i did not have high expectations after leaving it i still didn't think it was a great movie i didn't think it wasn't good and I will that will reflect in the score that I gave it, but it could it could be perfected over the course of another movie or two. I, I yeah. think they could keep coming up with more original stories, maybe get a little stronger with it. Heck, I'd even say maybe push for, by the time you get to the third movie, push for that R rating. A lot of the girls that are going to be seeing it. By that point in time, and I don't want to just say girls. It is no. There I, will be boys out there. Yeah. The age range that everyone is seeing it now that is going to eat this movie up. By the time a third one would come out, they will be eighteen, right in that range. Give them that movie, that one that kind of pushes them. I, into and honestly, as an adult, I would I would like to see that as well. I would I would kind of like to see. I want to see that American Werewolf in London. Ghostbusters, yeah, you know, me too, and and just because I want to, I want to push the franchise into terrifying, hilarious. I want it to be Ghostbusters as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's the same idea. Buffy, you would never describe as a horror, as excuse me, you would describe it as a yeah. horror thing, but you, th- I, I would never describe it as a comedy. Yet there are some moments on that show that I, you'll go from being scared to like laughing so hard, yeah. and it's just because you know Joss Whedon knows how to balance those two things and this movie i think maybe don't get me wrong there are scares in this movie yeah but i think that they can commit a lot harder to being like we can be all those things we can be 100 percent a scary film while also being hilarious because you know we get it when we're scared we say bad words <laughs> like that's that's just who we are you know what i mean like that we're not saying it offensively or anything and and i would love to see just almost a 100% commitment and it's like what you said I think the next movie we won't be dealing with any more they've made any and all references they really can to the original yeah. franchise however whatever the villain may be of the next movie mm-hmm. I do believe would be a callback to the original one because there is a teaser to that yeah. in the end of this movie however I think that's the only thing that they would have to deal with in the yeah. next one which I think they could even bypass that bring it back for the third Oh yeah, do really a guardian sort of a thing, like tease a villain that's maybe the overarching. Like, exactly. You know. Um, yeah, I 
And with all of this, maybe the problem truly is the PG-13 rating in general. Because Ghostb- the original Ghostbusters came out in 84, They're correct? both PG. Yeah, they're both PG. 84 and 89. However, the first Ghostbusters, despite being PG, with a, with a little bit extra in it, at that time, I mean, it was still PG. Technically, it could have bounced and been an R. But you look at that time period, the original Airplane movie. Well, they don't have any language in Ghostbusters. They, they don't. That's the thing. But that's what I'm saying. It's just a little bit could have swayed it into an R. Back in the 80s, the original Airplane movie, I was always shocked the first time I saw it on VHS that my parents rented it for me. Because after seeing it on TV, out in the middle of that movie, out jumps this girl. And her boobs are just hanging out. And she's bouncing and jumping <laughs> on the airplane. And yet that movie is still PG. Because you had to really you had to really push the lines back then to be PG. So it's well, the hard thing is too. Back then, I don't think that they were an R, they were a, um, a slave to the um, the ratings as much. Yeah. Like we we were in that weird like okay, we just broken free from the censors of the fifties and sixties, you know. And so finally, it was kind of like that um, American new wave cinema was coming around with like. Um, the graduate stuff like that you know what i mean like they were they yeah. were, that type of films were getting more and more experimental and um artsy and and like being of something of value and and it was kind of like well just let the artists make the film they want to make and nowadays it's like what's the franchise what's the you know if the original ghostbusters would have pushed that pg rating to the point that it should have been rated r I think this one I think would this have been, one rated would have been yeah. flat out rated R. I, I agree. I think if there had been like, I I don't even know if they say the S word, the poop word in the original Ghostbusters. They might say it once. They say it in this movie, but I think that had they used a little bit of stronger language, then we would be looking at a rated R Ghostbuster yeah. movie. And I right think now. it would have greatly benefited. However, again, this one because of the demographic that this movie speaks to, it will be more guaranteed to get sequels because of it. I've spoken about this on the podcast before. Uh, I have a massive issue with the four-quadrant um, reach, like Disney's obsessive reach for a four-quadrant thing, yeah. and it is a thing that everybody wants to do. And sometimes you can't make a film that's going to go in there, but sometimes you'll make a film, and by accident it hits in there. Yeah. And I think that's what the original Ghostbusters was. It was just what it wanted to be, and then it accidentally tapped into these other quadrants. Yeah. Whereas this one, I think, was pressured into being in those quadrants. And I think had they just kind of let him do Paul Feig and Kate Zipoid do whatever they want to do, this movie could have gone from being good to great. And I'm hoping the next one's going to be great. So let's give it... Let's. By the way, they are making an animated film as well. Mm-hmm. That is in That takes place in 2050. And so that one's going to be for the younger kids. So I'm saying if you're going to continue to pursue animated Ghostbuster films, then give the adults the live action and push that forward. In the year 2000. <laughs> um, okay, so give me the number. I Okay, so I had to really think long and hard about this one. I ended up rating it on IMDb. Six out of, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Okay. On... If I would give it a star rating based on uh, out of four stars, like most uh, film places yeah. do, best out of four, I would have gave it about a two and a half. Okay, on um, Flickster, and I, I have never... Hey, Leslie Jones, again, now we are literally... On Flickster, um, I have never written a review of a movie ever, but I felt the need to come to this movie's defense because I was reading through the audience reviews, like I said earlier, and 
they were just unfair. They were written by people who have never seen this movie. So I had to go in, do the star rating to hopefully bump it up just a little bit. Um, because, but out of on Flickster, it's out of five stars. Yeah. I gave it three and a half because four felt like I was giving it too much into the like award season territory. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Back to the Future is a five star movie for me. You know, four and a half five star movie, like an almost perfect movie. Like there, you know, that can be like everybody loves it summertime movie yeah but it's also you know looking at the screenplay from a um a, a film study standpoint it's a fantastic screenplay and I, I so this movie for me i'll give it a three and a half right now i think after multiple viewings i might be able to bump it up just a half a star a little bit more if i was giving it my percentages i'd probably give it i'd probably give it if you're just going in popcorn style you're going to enjoy the movie. If you're just looking for a good, entertaining thing, grab some popcorn, eat it. If you're going in and you're looking to hate the movie, you're absolutely yeah, going to hate it. Yeah, but see, I still disagree with that. I think the movie, for a lot of audiences, they'll find it too immature. Probably in the same way that now, that's how I'm starting to feel about Adam Sandler movies. It's like, oh my gosh, these really are immature. Yeah, I've kind of always felt that like, way. Except for The Wedding Singer. It's but, just... But that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like now... I'm, I'm kind of seeing it through different ends. Like that's why I'm saying again, this movie is built for that young generation. This is for them, all the tweens and teens. Yeah. This is their movie, and I hope that they embrace it because if they do, they will see many great things from it. I don't. I don't want that to turn any adults off though either, because I, I think that my mother might have gone, like, would enjoy seeing this movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know that my father would necessarily enjoy it, but I also don't know how he feels about the original yeah, It's also tough to be honest, because but. we really do analyze these things, whereas I think the average person, they just, yeah, just that, want to be That's the other thing, too. Nobody's, not, not the regular person isn't looking at cuts and, like, this stuff, you know, and, and like I said, Ghostbusters has been a treasure to me, and as, like, a ghost, a person who I feel like Ghostbusters has been there, like, you know, I still have my Proton Pack and everything, I'd say this movie's worth seeing in the theaters. Like, I would say that you should go. I think this is, a movie that I don't think you're going to walk away from and just be angry that you spent the money to go see it. You might, and again, I don't think it should ever be compared to the original. It was tonally different completely. It, it's the bones are there of the original. It isn't the plot is no way similar. You know, it's got it's got similarities, but it's not. It's not like how the Force Awakens was was yeah. a New Hope. It's not in that way. It's. You know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, give it I'm gonna give it right now like a seventy percent. I would say it's worth matinee or definite Blu-ray blind buy. One a Blu-ray blind buy, okay, a yeah. Blu-ray blind. I think buy. it's gonna have great special features with some awesome deleted scenes. Yeah, and that's that's why I would give it that. It's yeah. good for that, or it's good for a matinee price. I would not have paid full. A Friday night out with the kids, popcorn and everything. Well, no. maybe it'd be different if I had kids, though. I think. I yeah. mean, we did go out on Friday night and do the full thing, but but that's different. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I it definitely I could get behind matinee for sure. I am going to say this is one of the. With all that said, I don't, I don't, I think this movie is one of the movies of the year that has come under the most critical eyes of everyone who's gone to see it, of every of the critics themselves, of everybody, and I don't think that this is necessarily a movie that deserves that. I and. For all sectors of the reason of that, it should just have been treated as like, oh, this is an, a new take on something. 
this is a, you know a thing it, it's it's all for the wrong reasons so yeah. go in go in open minded go in knowing that you're not going to see the original ghostbusters you're not going to see anything other than somebody was inspired by the original ghostbusters idea and made a new one yeah and as always take my reviews however you want to because i am also the person who said they enjoyed pop star never yeah, stop never true. stopping it's just sometimes you react to something that you enjoy and other times you don't. Yeah. And this time I did not have a bad time. However, I will see very little rewatch value in this for my future. Oh, see, and I feel a little bit differently in that where I, I need to see it again in theaters, but that's solely because I have anxiety going to see a movie that I'm like, oh, good or bad, good or bad. You know, there are some movies like Star Trek. I know I'm probably going to see more than once just because I love Star Trek. But like, it's it's just, it's one of those like, you know, I want to go and experience it now. Now that I know everything is, now I want to go in again with those expectations gone, of anything gone. A wipe slate, a clean slate, and now go again. And and so maybe I'll just do a little tweet or a, a wrap-up in the next episode we do and just let you know how I thought going again. But And but I'll, I, never, I'll never criticize anyone for saying they enjoyed it and thought it was funny. Oh, I no, it's not a movie. I won't look would. down on you if you say... If you came up to me and said, I loved it, I'm not going to... I'm Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it's that's absolutely yeah. good. There are some movies I will openly argue with people. Are you a moron yeah, for thinking yeah. that this isn't? Yeah. I completely see it. I, I sat next to Eli the entire time. And oh my gosh, Eli loved it. I'm telling you right now, there are scenes in this movie where Eli couldn't breathe. He was laughing yeah. so hard. So, and he he walked out and said he. But Eli's not very familiar with the original movie. He, we we were gonna. He was watching about half of it with me before we left, and you know, and then. We had to go to bed or whatever, and so he's going to watch the other one. He didn't even know there was yeah. a second one. So I, and honestly, the the whole thing probably could have changed if you just got rid of Kate McKinnon and got someone else in there. Yeah, and I don't like to say that because I, I mean I I feel bad saying it because I do think she's funny, but it, it I don't know it, it, that character did not come. Yeah, and it, I hate and to bring that back up. There were too we many moments up. on this that that rested on her and. You know what? Maybe in the second one she'll be better. So yeah. that's what I'm going to hope for. But check it out. Uh, you know, we, we if you go see it at AMC this weekend, which this probably won't be up for you for enough notice for you to go see that. But ask about a Ghostbusters pin when you go because they were passing out pins. Mm-hmm. That was nice of them. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, uh, tweet at us. Fa- uh, well, not Facebook. Well, you could probably Facebook with us by the point by the time this goes up because that'll be there. So it's all at Diz Pop Show. Um, look for there's going to be an arts and crafts and drink video where I'm going to do a little book, Ghostbusters arts and crafts where it's just um, making some fun pillows, pillars, pillows, pillars. pillars. Um, and there is a, another episode where Oliver and I are talking about the legacy of Ghostbusters. So we go into Ghostbusters one and two and the video games and the cartoon shows, all that jazz. That is up on um, YouTube. If you want to watch that, you can also listen to it on iTunes, where all of our episodes are, and all the other podcasts that are here are. Click subscribe um, to any of our feeds, though, because we, especially Dizpop, I just like to randomly throw videos and podcasts up there with mm-hmm. the help of Craig. And um, so you never really kind of know. It's not it's not as like Friday at one, Friday at one. It's, it's kind of just of chocolates. Yeah, I just you never know what you're gonna get. Um, Mama said those are my magic shoes. But anyway, my battery is beeping at us, so let's finish. Um, So um, let us know what you thought, and we will see you next time. I think Star Trek might be the next movie. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll see you again next time on the next episode of Diz Pop.